Syzygy, episode 107, biggest bang ever. Again? And welcome back to another edition of the Syzygy Podcast. My name is Chris Stewart, and I am sitting, as usual, at the round desk in the office of Dr. Emily Brunsden here at the University of York. Emily, how are you doing? Hello, hello. I am doing very well, thank good. you. Good, 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 good. Listen, do we have any follow-up of anything from, from the last little while that we need to catch up on, or are we just jumping straight into this I don't think anything else has crashed into the moon that I've missed. No, no, I don't think so either. So today, we're just going to jump straight in. But interestingly, today we're talking about something which is really, really, really big, and this is becoming a bit of a theme in recent episodes, because it wasn't long ago that we were talking about the biggest black hole evs. What episode was that? I can't remember. It was a couple of episodes, Two episodes ago. ago. But yeah, one this stonkingly huge black hole, which was bigger than all the other black holes, we think, hmm. at least is, you know, is on the upper boundary of how big a black hole could conceivably get in the lifespan of the universe so far. So that was kind of cool. And we're following it up today with something else in the news, which was really, really big. Emily... What's going on? What are we talking about today? So, my title for in my notebook, at least yep. so far, this may or may not end up being <laughs> the episode title, is "Biggest Explosion Ever." Biggest explosion that rings a vague bell. Yeah, so it's version two. Version two. When did we talk? We previously talked about we biggest have, explosion. We ever. have done version one, which was episode number sixty-one. Right. That's going back a couple I, of years now. Yeah, I don't even remember when that was. No. It was a time no. ago. I mean, look, it doesn't matter because it's no longer the biggest explosion ever. But I guess if you are going to do a story about the biggest X, you've got to assume that at some point a bigger X might come along. Unless you have literally discovered the biggest possible X for which that black hole might might be. It may, it may be that there's no other black hole that could be bigger than that. But any other time that you've got, this is the record, this is the current record, that could be broken at any time. And here we are, episode 61, we're now up to an even bigger explosion, which is kind of cool. Or is it? Mm. Oh. Well, if it's not, we don't have much of an episode. What are you talking about? Well, we've still got a big explosion. Let's let's, let's not quibble about that. All right. So we have a title, which is Biggest Ebbs, especially since episode 61 of this podcast, brackets, or is it end brackets? Emily, look. Who's doing this? Let's get some names on this basket of bizarreness. Yeah, so this is a paper that came out about the middle of last month, so middle of April, um, from Weismatel. And what they have found and um, put together from the available evidence is basically there was a what they call fireball in mm-hmm. the print media, about 100 times the size of the solar system that has gone up and – basically caused this enormous giant flare event. So, Right. Sorry. Hang on a sec. 100 times the size of the solar system? Yeah. So that's a, a fireball. A fireball, yeah. Okay. Fireball is an interesting choice of word. But yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, look, if, you, if you're going to explain, if you're going to write about this in the media, then you need to sort of, well, what do explosions look like? Well, they're just huge fireballs, right? So, uh, yeah. What we're talking about is a massive eruption of energy, presumably. Yeah. So yeah. fine. Let's... For shorthand, call that a fireball. Big bright explosion yeah. has Boom. happened. Yeah. Boom. And it's a hundred times the size of the solar system, which is which is big by yep. anyone's stretch of the imagination. Yep. Okay, cool. Um wh- where? Well, this not anywhere nearby, I hope. Uh, no, 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 no. This is a very long way away. So far Phew. away that we actually have a lot of trouble detecting. <laughs> okay. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. So if you if you kind of turn this into I guess some other numbers that you might want to to think about in terms of how big, how bright this thing is. It's pretty well, I mean, we don't use this term lightly, astronomical. Right. I mean, when the astronomers are going, Phew, that's big, then you know that we're really onto something. Yeah. So we're looking at two trillion times brighter than the sun. Uh, that yeah. That seems like quite a lot. I mean, a, trillion a, a, is a trillion, big number. Trillion's not a number we actually bandy around a lot. No. We, we work with big numbers. Yeah. Millions, billions, we're, yeah, sure. we, we do a lot. Trillions of. don't come up terribly often. No. So two rather t- trillion times brighter, brighter than, than, the, the sun. than the sun. Okay, so how does how does that compare to other really big, bright, explosion-y things? Because we've had a few of those. Like We've talked about novas, which is fairly small. We talked about supernovas. We've talked about, wasn't there an, like an ultranova or something? Hypernovas. Hypernovas. Yeah. We've talked about like black holes doing ludicrous things. So how how big is this? Well, now 
In contrast to, I think, the previous episode, I'm going to be working in this episode in a unit called Ergs. Ergs, right. Okay. I so going last back time to... I did it in Jules, and for unknown reasons, <laughs> I've switched to Ergs. Okay. Okay. Can we, can we at least get a, get a translation between Jules and Ergs? What is an Erg? An Erg, well, uh, if you want to know the amount of energy, it's a unit of energy, mm-hmm. so how much energy you have. One Erg, as I found one nice description, is about one house fly doing a press-up with one leg. Right. Okay. Well, there's a mental image for you. So hang on. A joule is the amount of energy. Do I remember this right? Joule is the amount of energy that raises an amount of water by an amount of temperature. A gram of water. A gram of water by by one one degrees centigrade, Celsius, right? Well, Kelvin's the same. Kelvin's is all the same, but not Fahrenheit. Different. Hmm. Um, So that's a joule, is you imagine a small amount of water and we raise its temperature hmm. by one degree. Hmm. So that you get a get a grip on that. I don't really know how to translate that to houseflies doing push-ups. Uh, so I imagine I imagine the erg is significantly smaller than a joule. A li- yeah, I think it's uh, it's a couple of orders of magnitude smaller. Can I? Am I allowed to just do a quick yeah, look-up? Yeah, yeah. Erg unit. Do, do, do. <laughs> the centimeter gram second unit of energy of work or work. Yeah, what, horrible chemist. Can we you just know please? Yeah. Ten to the minus seven joules. There you go. It's a tenth of a millionth of a joule. Mm-hmm. One ten millionth of a joule. Yeah. Right there we are. Okay, so now we know it's really small. It's a housefly doing a press up on one leg. Yeah, which is like nice work housefly. But then again, you know, on those scales, ants can carry what four hundred times their own weight or something. So you know, all bets are off. But sure. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a fairly useless unit because obviously we're going to be talking about really lots of energy. Yeah, so why so, did you change from joules to ergs? Because, Surely that's going the wrong way, or is it just to make it sound more impressive? Well, that's what they started off with in the paper, and I thought, let's right. roll with it. Okay. So, All right, look, we'll go with it. But regardless, it's going to be really big numbers. We're going so, to talk about a lot of very, very large numbers. Knock me out. So 1.5, mm-hmm. that bit's not so bad. Sure. Times 10 to the 53 Okay, look, I don't care how big or small an erg is compared to a joule. Anytime you've got 10 to the power of 53, that's off the charts. That's mm. a, that's an insane amount of energy. So that's a 1 and a 5 and 52 zeros. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in joules, that would still be 45 zeros. Mm. That's a lot of zeros, Emily. Yeah, yeah. These numbers are going to become meaningless. Okay. But So for those of you who aren't comfortable with scientific notation or can't wrap your head around anything of that magnitude, let's just park it as this is big. So we need at some point to ask the question, what the hell happened? <laughs> What's going on here? Well, um, as we'll come to, the, the most logical conclusion mm-hmm. of the event that caused this m- amount of energy to be released is that some galaxy that we haven't directly seen, right. but some galaxy, has a, superno- a supermassive black hole in its centre. We think that supermassive black hole is on the large-ish size of okay. supermassive black holes. Yep. Um, by that I mean so our Milky Way is about – Four million times the mass of the sun. As in the black hole is. Yeah, the, the black um, hole is, yep. supermassive black hole at the centre. Um, so our one's about four million times the mass of the sun. The one that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was 33 billion times the mass of the sun. So, Which is a lot more. A big, really big. This one's probably somewhere around uh, maybe up to a billion Times the mass. Okay. The sun. Okay. So it's bigger than the one in the Milky Way, but it's considerably smaller than the really, really, really stupidly big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But regardless, so, we know that big black holes can do big stuff. Yes. Yes. So we we know that they well, all of our explanations basically tie into this black hole because that's the only kind of astronomical object that you can get that has enough gravitational energy, it has enough sort of just awesome amount of physics going on with it to be able to produce these ridiculously huge energies that we see. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, like it makes sense, right, that if astronomers see, oh, that was big, you're immediately thinking what kind of systems just inherently have that amount of energy hanging around that could be very quickly thrown out there into the universe. And it's got to be big and mm. it's got to be energetic because otherwise it's it's not going to come from anywhere. Exactly. Right? You've got to be able to account for it in order to then fling it off into space. So that limits 
the sort of systems that we're talking about to yeah. a very small subset. Yeah, so top of your list is these supermassive black holes. Sure. They're, the, they're the number one. Sure. They're usually to blame, aren't they? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So we have this object. It's about um, eight... A billion light years away, so it's all good. We, mm -hmm. Whatever yes. happens with its explosion. We don't need to worry about this. We're going to be fine. Good. Yeah. Um, even if it does take, you know, eight billion years to get to us, we're not going to care. We're okay. We're okay. And did I, did you say a minute ago, it's, it's in a galaxy, we assume because we, we assume. don't know. Yes. Well, we haven't seen supermassive black holes that aren't in galaxies. Sure. So if we're going to say that that's the culprit, then we assume there's the rest of the galaxy exists. But I guess the point is... We had we're not looking at a galaxy and going that one there. Mm. We've just seen the big boom. We've seen the flash, basically. Right. Yeah, and okay. we're saying well, there probably is a galaxy there. We can at least place some limits on it, given the fact that we can't see it. Yeah, but yeah, we sure. assume that it's as exists. opposed to you know Andromeda, and mm. it's like oh, that's in Andromeda. We know where that is. This is no, we've just seen the flash. Yeah, right. Really far away flash. So um, this event AT twenty twenty one LWX, big supermassive black hole. And the best explanation for it is that there was a giant molecular cloud. So we've talked about these before. These are kind of um, well, when they're not around black holes, when they're in their nice kind of spiral arms of galaxies, these are the kinds of clouds that can collapse and form new stars. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but in this case, giant molecular cloud seems to have been eaten by the black hole. Right. And that's the sort of thing when stuff is falling into big black holes, enormous amount of energy erupts out because of all of the, the weird stuff that happens around the edge of the black hole and all the big nasty Huge amounts of energy are released, yeah. yeah. So we need, we need a fairly large cloud. Um, I do have the mass written down here somewhere, but it's, it's evading me right this second, but fairly large one. And it's it's not just so when we talk about energy right there's there's the when you have a flash or an explosion a very bright thing can give you deal to you a lot of energy in a short amount of time mm -hmm. or you can have thing events that happen that produce a lot of energy but over a, a longer period of time and though the instantaneous energy might not be as much or it might not be as bright because it happens over a long period of time, the sum total energy can be much bigger. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You can have a big flash and then it's all over and all of that energy released at once, or you spread it out over time, big amount of energy, but, but it's not, it's not as bright immediately. Mm. So that's going to become important when we talk okay. about energy. All right. Yeah. Um, but to give you, um, we've got lots of um, sort of senses of scales. This event seems to have lasted for about three years. Okay. Now. Is that, is that a long time, astronomically? It's, it's a long time for a very bright, energetic event. It does kind of feel like a long time for a really big explosion. Yes, yeah. So this is when we get so something that's basically something about 10 times brighter than a supernova, but a supernova flashes up and then decays. So it rises to peak brightness over a few days, and then it decays, gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer over the course of a few weeks. Right, okay. And right? this is couple of years, several so that's years. A supernova. Yeah, so this is 10 times brighter than that, yeah. but happening over three years or right. so far. <laughs> so no wonder astronomers are looking at and going, oh, it's interesting. Yes. <laughs> that's not what you see every yeah. day. And so that's where we get this largest amount of energy in the sense that it's coming from over the three-year period. It's going to put out something like this 1.5 times 10 to the 53 Ergs. Right, that makes sense because an energy, you know, a quantity of energy is, you know, you can you can think of it as we can hold it in a bucket. Here it is. Here's the energy, but this is energy over time. This is stuff that is happening over time, and so this is an incredibly bright thing, but it continues to be incredibly bright. There's a there's a process happening here hmm. which is kind of ludicrous by the sound of it. Yeah, but then. This 10 to the 53 might not be the biggest number we're going to talk about today. Okay. There are bigger numbers when we talk about energies. Mm -hmm. So I think it might be quite interesting to kind of build up to those numbers and put this in some sort of context. Okay. Because it's really easy to say, oh, this is really big. Here's a really, really big number. And end of story. And we're, and we're done here. And we walk away and, and you know, pat ourselves on the back. But we like to, you know, we pride ourselves on the context. Yes. On this show. Well, we, 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 need like it, to... we need it to be able to talk about how this is bright compared to other bright things, sure. right? Sure. So I've started. I started doing some good old googling, mm -hmm. getting on. Um, now my search history is going to be a little bit dicey <laughs> from now on, and I'm not surprised if I'm going to be watched because I started, you know, asking the search engines for things like what was the biggest explosion ever. Oh, good. 
Yeah, yeah. What is the biggest nuclear weapon that we've ever made? Fantastic. You're going to get a knock on the door <laughs> yeah, very soon. Yeah, I thought from, I might. From some people in dark suits and glasses. Yeah. yeah. But let's let's go with it. Right? Mm. So um, we have our fly doing a press-up. That's one erg. Sure. And that's not a lot. To be no. clear, that's not a big explosion. No, it's very yeah. small. Uh, we have the biggest um, explosion that's non-nuclear in the mm-hmm. world that we understand to have happened uh, was – Something called um, or some uh, ship in Halifax in Halifax, Canada. Oh, I remember hearing about this. This yeah. was a ship that was packed full of explosives that caught fire and just went kaboom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> lot of explosives, a lot of explosives in a very small space, and uh, yeah, that wasn't good. I no, that. no, nineteen seventeen. Yeah. I mean, I don't you, remember, but I remember reading yeah, about it. Is yeah. what I'm saying. I'm yeah. not that old. No, <laughs> not yet. Um, so that released something like 1.2 times 10 to the 20 ergs. Okay, so that puts us on a scale here. An erg is very, very small. Mm-hmm. 10 to the 20 ergs is a boatload of regular explosives. Yeah. There you go. TNT kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Now, it's important to remember just a side point that t- t- 10 to the 20 is not half of 10 to the 40. No, it's not. It's no. not. It's it's ten to the twenty times smaller than ten to the forty. It's, yeah, yeah. That's a, yes. So just just hold that in your mind. That, yeah, this is, yeah, these are power laws. So you have to each step is a hundred um, or ten times each step. Yep. Right, you're adding on to here. Right, so that's our boat full of explosives. The yep. biggest explosion that that's we a lot. Uh, have that's non-nuclear. Of course, the biggest nuclear explosion. We have to go down that road. Mm-hmm. Something called the Tsar bomb. Yeah, which is a H bomb. The, the Russian hydrogen bomb. Yeah, Soviet Union, yeah. uh, 1961. Because the normal nuclear weapons just weren't destructive enough. Let's try to make one as big as we could possibly it's make. It's human nature, yeah, isn't it? We're going to do it at some point. What's the is. biggest we can do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 50 megatons of TNT in sort of normal human speak, mm-hmm. or two times 10 to the 24. Right. Ergs. Okay, so that's like so that's that's um, ten thousand. Of those boats. Yes, yep. 10,000 10, boats. boats filled with dynamite, filled with normal explosive going yeah. off in this one bomb. It's a lot. It's a big <clears throat> yep. yep. To which uh, astronomy says, hold my beer. Yes, indeed. Now, another um, sort of favourite energy mm-hmm. measure. Now we can move to astronomical objects. Good. Let's leave behind human destructiveness. Yeah. Lifetime energy output of the sun. Lifetime. How long is like how long are we talking here? The so sun's 10 around for billion years or okay. so. So add up all of the energy that the nuclear engines in the sun are spitting out over that many years. Mm-hmm. Ten billion, you said. Yep. I'd expect that to be a lot. Sounds like a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to lie here. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's looking around about 10 to the 51. 10 to the 51. So we're Correct. jumping from the 10 to the 20s to 10 to the 51. Yeah, 10 I to the 30. go hide, hide, finding yeah, anything in that's between. A, that's a lot. That's, 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 a, that's a million, 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 million times more. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Ish. Or if you're they're still holding our 1.5 times 10 to the 53 in your head, mm-hmm. that's something like a hundredth of the explosion that's just gone off. Right. So so, so we're talking a hundred times the sun over its entire lifetime. Has gone off in this three years. In space of three years. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's quite a lot. So, but we know the sun's an average kind of star. Sure, and yep. It's just, you know, an average kind of energy output. So let's go to big things. Mm-hmm. My instant thought of other big explosions in the universe would be to go to our favorite black hole mergers. Mm-hmm. We've uh, talked a lot about those with LIGO detection. So these are two black holes that merge together, put off a stupid amount of energy and, of course, gravitational waves as well. Yeah, because the thing about gravitational waves, as has come up a few times, is in order to see them at all, if you've got any hope of seeing them, you need the biggest damn explosions in the the universe that you can find. Mm. And that so far has been things like two black holes orbiting each other and eventually merging. Mm. And that that event gives off these sort of space-time quakes that we can detect. But, you know, you need something of that size. And is like that they're really big, right? Those are yeah. very large, sudden emissions of energy. Yes. So a LIGO black hole merger, you're looking at something like 10 to the 54 ergs. Okay. So that's another step up from from this one that we've just – that we're talking about mm. today. So it's so, not the biggest. No. So – why are we talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's going well, on? 
Wow. So, yeah, so black hole merger, 10 to the 54 ergs. If you – let's carry on down the yes, track. We'll, we'll let's ret- keep going. We'll return to the, to the question. Okay, put a pin in that because we've just taken over – the whole point of this episode, which is this is the biggest explosion we've ever seen, and we've just said, no, it's not, clearly. So we'll come back to that. Keep going. Yep. Next up the scale, mm-hmm. um, the biggest uh, gamma ray burster that we've ever seen, which was a, made, it was a big deal last year. Now, we weren't recording at the time. Otherwise, we would obvs have talked about yeah, this. Yeah. I yeah. remember. We were on a hiatus for very good reasons. So it's October last year, um, GRB221009A. Okay. Catchy name. Yep. And remind us, a, a gamma ray burster that – it, that's one of those titles which is very descriptive without actually telling you anything about what's going on, right? Gamma rays are very high energy, very short wavelength photons. It's light, mm-hmm. but just really high high frequency light. Mm-hmm. Um, and a burster presumably is something that bursts out a lot of gamma rays. So, well, yeah, what, they, they just suddenly what, appear. What, what is it, though? Yeah. What is it? Well, the reason why they're called gamma ray bursters is just because we were noticing that these things just went pop with enormous amounts of gamma rays in the sky without having a clear explanation for them, at least initially, right? Sure. So that's the, they're called um, gamma ray bursters. Now, uh, this particular gamma ray burster, they, some, they, there's a slight kind of variation in their origins. Most of them come from black holes, supermassive black holes, eating objects. The usual story. Yeah. So you trace it back and there's a black hole doing something weird. I mean, it's like quasars, right? Quasars mm. for a long time were, we don't know what this is, it's just really energetic. Turns out probably supermassive black holes. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. always supermassive black yeah, holes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in this particular event, um, which was about 70 times brighter than a typical gamma ray burster, uh, we think that probably it was something like a 20 solar mass star fell into a black hole. Oh, that's going to hurt. Yeah. This is last year. This is yes, the one we're talking about last yeah, year. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, huge output of energy. Um, we did see a tiny little optical flash as well, but we're getting most of the energy at the high, you know, gamma rays, et cetera. Right. And uh, so putting all that together and sort of looking at, well, it was bright, but it was only bright for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So the Again, energy output was kind of condensed into just a few minutes. We talked about this, like, was it, I can't remember when it was, which, which episode, but very recently talked about, like, what would it be like to be nearby and see it? Like, you wouldn't want to be because no. you wouldn't be there for very long. But imagine if you could. Like, that's just, imagine that, seeing, like, a 20 mass, 20 solar mass star falling which into a supermassive black hole. It's a huge star, like, right? That would be nuts, and then you'd be dead. But that would be nuts. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, how, yeah. how big was that one? So, well, models differ somewhat, sure. but I. There'll be error bars. I've got a sort of numbers around two to six, maybe even as much as 10. So, 10 to the 54 to 10 to the 55. Okay. Ergs. Okay. So, again, we've, we've moved on from biggest explosion ever that we're talking about today. Mm. We're now up to potentially 100 times, maybe sort of 10, 10 to 100 times mm-hmm. bigger. Mm. Mm-hmm. Getting more uncomfortable with this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. this is re- going to be reassuring for you. Okay. Go back to episode 61. Cast your mind back. Well, it's well and truly gone from my memory. So you're going to have to remind me. What did we talk about? We talked about the biggest explosion ever. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, we've established that. But what was it? So basically what was found was an enormous hole in uh, the sort of – there was a big jet coming out from one of these active galactic nuclei. Mm -hmm. So, again, supermassive black hole in the center of a galaxy. Doing something weird. Going out into the intergalactic medium, and it had carved out this enormous void. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which was several times the size of the Milky Way. Pushed all the stuff out, right? Yeah. and do I remember correctly that if you then work backwards and say, how much energy would it take to carve out this void mm-hmm. through all the stuff that was there, then you come up with a very large number. You do. Yep. I mean, it's a large number also because it happened over the course of a few hundred million years, right? Sure. It wasn't an instantaneous yep. kaboom. Yeah. But it was like almost – I've got this terrible image. It's not correct. But I've got a terrible image of this giant laser just carving out this cavity. Like, yeah, which I mean, sure. You know, it, as opposed to an enormous <laughs> bomb going off and then it's all over and then you pick up the pieces. Yeah. Like this is a very, very slow bomb going mm. off over – a very, very long period of time. But, but it's still, still with a, load a big of amount energy. of energy. So that's going up to 5 times 10 to the 61 ergs. Right. That's, of energy. that's, that's, that's quite a lot. I, I mean, I guess at some point you've got a question, are we talking about explosions mm. here or are we talking about 
systems. Like, can you even call it an event at that point? Or is it just some kind of ongoing process? At which point, surely the biggest and like the most energetic process is like the universe itself. (laughs) It's the Big Bang, which is still going on now. So, you know, at some point you kind of got to draw a line under it and say, what are we even talking about here? You know, these apples and oranges. So if you want to go by the raw numbers, then actually the void that we talked about in episode 61, by whatever standard, perhaps you could say is still the biggest explosion ever. Well, that's nice to know. Nice to know that we nailed it way back in episode 61. That's good. does still leave a question around, what are we talking about today? But like you say, yeah, well, so it's processes. So, Hmm. and it's actually acknowledged in some of the research itself that some of these things are very hard to distinguish. So we have talked about these AGN, active galactic nuclei, before. And a typical AGN will have a jet and it's got some fluctuations and brightness because of the the sort of um, stochastic feeding of the black hole. So a clump of matter falls into black hole, big energy release, clump mm-hmm. of matter falls in. And this is And that's not a regular thing, that's a random thing. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's random but it's continually random. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind yeah. of almost like a flickering, if you like, yeah. um, explosion. Sure. <laughs> flickering makes, feels yeah. like a too small a word, but <laughs> <laughs> just a little flicker, which but, is um, going to destroy you. Yeah, but when we come back to the to the system that we're talking about today, that's not ever been seen before, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, the authors go back at least seven years into all the data and just say, is there anything? Is there any sign that this is an AGN before this event? And there's not. It's right. just it's been a little quiet sort of patch of sky okay so that's because that's weird right so is does that imply what that we're seeing potentially an agn turning on ah well this is also an interesting thought but it's not expected that an agn would just sort of turn us yeah (laughs) (laughs) someone flicked the switch it doesn't feel like it works that way no no so all of this stuff surrounding this you know supermassive black hole just suddenly going oh hang on we could fall into this thing and it just starts we hadn't thought about that before but now we can it's yeah. like surely surely that would happen over a really long period of time it would be very weird for it to a turn on just bang like that is it possible that we just never noticed i mean you said that they looked back over 7 years and there was nothing mm. so What's going on? Well, yeah. So the other question, so you can say, well, is it an AGN that's just sort of flickering? Probably not. We Mm -hmm. probably haven't. We would have noticed something. It's also extraordinarily unlikely that we would just happen to see an AGN turn on. I mean, these are not things that happen every day, right? Sure. I mean, as you have brought up on this podcast many times before, Emily, big universe, you know, something strange things happen all the time. And maybe one of those strange things is we just happen to be looking. But sure, let's assume that that's unlikely. Mm. So coming back to the source of this this flash, you could also say, well, hang on, didn't you just talk about that gamma ray burster? Yeah. That gamma ray burster was a star, big star, that fell into a supermassive black hole. Which almost sounds careless, doesn't it? <laughs> like just wandered too close to an open manhole cover and down you go. Um, and so you could say, well, isn't that just an explanation? This could be just could you be a star? Could be, could be that. Uh, that. And if you do the sums, I mean, mm-hmm. the, energetically, yes, you could do that with a star. You'd have to have a star that's kind of on the order of 15-ish mm-hmm. solar masses. Mm-hmm. But it would be, well, first of all, we think that these events where a star gets eaten by a black hole, yeah. we think these are exceptionally rare, right? Um, particularly when you have large stars. A smaller stars, stars of the mass of the sun, fine, right? They're, they're, they're kicking around, they're in these environments, so maybe that's not such a, a stretch. Sure. But the formation of one of these stars that's this big, first of all, is incredibly rare. Even in the parts of our galaxy, of other galaxies that are forming stars like there's no tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Places, you just don't tend to get the really big ones they're terribly rare. often. Yeah. Like how rare? Like, like really rare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just like, you know, you, you take 100 stars and you might form one okay. if you're lucky. Sure. And that gives us a sense of rareness. And sure. that's in these very particular star-forming environments. The region around a black hole is not expected to be a great star-forming <laughs> environment. Doesn't sound great. No, no. No. So what you're saying is that, look, it's possible – but we can rule out, at least statistically, that's a very unlikely explanation. Mm. How long did the that, that gamma ray burster last year that was 
the big honking star fallen into the black hole. How long did that happen over? Like what? what? Just a few minutes for the burst itself right. and gamma okay. rays, yeah. As opposed to three years. Yes. So again, you're already sort of saying it's a very different mechanism. Yes, exactly. Here. Yeah. So the time scales are very different, yeah. which also points to the fact that well, maybe it's not a compact object that's mm-hmm. just been gobbled and gone. It's probably something a bit more extended, something that's happening in a little bit in this more of a general process. So that's, again, another argument for this being this giant molecular cloud. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting because, it, it, again, it's one of these papers. We've talked about them before. We, you start off with, here's a weird event. What could it be? Well, maybe it's this. Well, actually, this piece of evidence says, no, it's not that. Maybe it's this. Well, this piece of evidence says it's not that. And this paper does a very good job of that because they – so they, we detected this particular event actually a little bit after it happened. Right. So it was picked up by Zwicky, the transient facility. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked about that, what, last, last week? Last episode. Weeks, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, um, so, well, because Zwicky's been uh, sort of up and running for, I guess, about a year now. Doing and just remind us wh- what, what and where the Zwicky thing is? Zwicky is um, a survey telescope. That's right. Yeah. So it's on Palomar in California. And what they're doing is kind of just looking at the night sky and looking for transient events. That's right. Yeah. So transient is a broad term in astronomy but it's basically saying what's new what's different is there a super that will pick up things like supernova that have gone off it will pick up things like these um well this exact type of burst light Mm. uh, kind of object pick up uh, binary star mergers it will pick up asteroids that come too close for example close enough that they sort of appear brighter suddenly in our sky in a very very simple way it's it's kind of like you know taking a picture of the night sky taking another picture of the night sky and eyeballing them and going well that bright bit wasn't there before Mm. you know on a much more complex and detailed computer you know machine oriented way it's not a human being look at it but that's the idea yeah what changed from this frame to this frame and most transient research ends up being these big you know, explosive kind of events. Yeah. Right. Astronomical spot the difference is what we're talking about here. Yeah. 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 So it's not surprising that it was picked up by them, but actually they went, so they picked up the rise in brightness from Somzuki, and, uh, and that happened in 2021. Uh, so a couple of years ago, actually. And they were able to then go back through the data and sort of say, and back through loads of other archives of data and say, well, what, what was there before? Mm. And they actually noticed that the first rise in brightness ha- happened almost a bit more than a year before that right. in 2020. 2020. Yeah. It just didn't get picked up because it wasn't kind of a, you know, exciting woof um, of brightness. It was a very, very faint object to begin with as okay. well. But you can go back through the data, pick it up. And indeed, it was picked up in other surveys around the same time as well. So, Atlas wise, some, I don't want to go into the details of those surveys, but I want to acknowledge that they sure. <laughs> contributed to them as well. Other surveys are available. Yeah. And then if you go back further than that in the previous seven years, it's just Nothing. 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 And that's fairly conclusive. Yeah. You know, we've we've had a really good look at this and it just, just wasn't something there. 2020 is when this thing kicked Started off. Started kicking off, yeah. So then you have your three years, right, because it's still mm-hmm. 2023. Um, so, but you want to – astronomers are not, you know, restricted to the optical part of the spectrum. This sure. is an optical facility. We're saying, well, this thing's gone bright. What is it? Is it, is it a supernova? Is it a hypernova? Is it a binary star image? Is it just a thing that's come a bit too close to the Earth and looks like it's kind of a bit bright? Well, we know it's not that because it would have moved. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, we're ruling out all of these things. What are the possibilities? So you, you do what you do and you, you go and look at it with other telescopes, with other parts of the spectrum. They, look, they found it in the X-ray. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting because X-rays are very high energy. So this was with SWIFT, the X-ray space telescope. If you see something bright in the X-ray, you know that there's something. There's a lot going of energy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and in fact, it's so bright that in this case, there's probably some secondary emission. So what we mean by that is that you've got clump of cloud falling into black hole, and mm-hmm. therefore you get brightness. But that brightness has actually heated up a part of the remaining matter and right. the accretion disk yeah, yeah. of the black hole. Yeah. So now the accretion disk is now glowing really brightly and also putting off X-rays. Wow. So, this, I mean, when that's getting bright enough to put off X-rays, you know that that's, that's really something going on. Yeah, exactly. And so you can confirm that. We, um, we <laughs> the, the authors went and looked at this in, in ultraviolet, got some spectra. So they took the light, 
broke it up into its wavelengths because when you have spectra, you can look for the temperature fingerprint of what you're looking at. Uh, you can see basically uh, where you have peaks and overall peak in a spectrum will tell you the temperature of an object. Just like, um, so we, we can't see things in the infrared because they're not bright enough well, they're not, we don't see infrared light, but what an infrared camera does is look for those photons in the infrared and they can pick up the peaks and you can get temperature measurements from where the peak in the infrared is. That's a very standard process that we do. Sure. Okay. So in this case, we're looking for the peak and the peak um, turned out to be in the ultraviolet part of the spectrum. Which, which is hot. Hot, yeah. yeah. Something around maybe 13,000 degrees. And this is the emission from the disc again. So this is telling you about that secondary. Wow. The, the disc is 13,000 I mean, this degrees. is the equivalent of something heating up, you know, here, here on Earth. And it goes through like the red hot phase, mm-hmm. which is really hot. But then it goes through the blue hot phase, which mm-hmm. is like, don't get anywhere near that. When you can't see it anymore, <laughs> like when you can't see it glowing anymore, it's either cold or it's so hot that it's gone into the ultraviolet, and that's a concern. Yes. Yeah. So very, very hot, 13,000 degrees. I mean, it's hotter than the surface of the sun, yeah. right? Wow. Sun's 6,000-ish. So, yeah, this is a hot disk. Yeah, now. I think everything that you're saying, Emily, is pointing towards this is big, this yeah. is hot, this is energetic. Yeah, and then just to confirm that this that's a secondary emission is coming from the disk, uh, you can look at the infrared, and the infrared is telling us there's loads of dust there right. as well. So yeah. dusty, hot, bright, supermassive black hole, cloud falling in, lots of energy. So everything's pointing towards that is the thing. It's not It's not a big star falling no. into it or being gradually ripped apart. It's this huge gas cloud. And when you talk about a molecular gas cloud, a molecular cloud, is that the same thing as saying a dust cloud? Like are, you, yes. are they sort of interchangeable? Yeah, yeah they right. are a bit, yeah. So well, we say molecular cloud because it's got molecules in it. I mean, at 13,000 degrees, it's unlikely to have any molecules yeah, yeah. left, to be honest. Yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're kind of the same sort of thing. Dust is still there. Lots of gas, really. Right. Yeah. Right. So very exciting object. And it's at this point where I noticed in the abstract of the paper – Perhaps the clue where I think maybe this could be a little bit the fault of the media okay. that have bigged this up a bit. Yeah, because, I mean, I have seen it all over the media. I'm the one who sent you this link, from, I think it was from The Guardian, saying, mm-hmm. hey, should we talk about this one? I don't really know what it is, but what do you reckon? Because um, it was. It was all over the media. I remember hearing about it on the radio. It was yep, in the newspapers. The it was all over the internet. I saw it on the social medias. Biggest explosion evs. And so what were they picking up on? Where's the hype coming in? Here's the statement from the paper. Yep. This is greater than any known optical transient. So my guess is that it all hinges on optical transient. It absolutely (laughs) does. It absolutely does. Biggest known anything or to get the get the papers biggest known optical transient so can you just translate that for us okay optical yep. optical part of the spectrum sure. so it was picked up it. in the optical because it was the telescopes were looking they saw something get a bit brighter and then they did follow up observations with the other things things like gamma ray bursters not optical transients right right by definition they are gamma rays and hence on your working your way up through the really big explosions scale earlier in the episode, we just swept way past this thing <laughs> that we're talking about today. And the the, the gamma ray burster was significantly larger mm. than that by like quite a long way. But we're ignoring that because that wasn't seen in the optical. It's gamma ray. It's yeah. in the name. Well, it's, 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 the, it's the optical transient. So the, the idea that there was this brightening event that we saw in the optical right. rather than a brightening that we saw in gamma rays or our episode 61 example, which was actually we just found this hole in a yeah. gas cloud. And we had to explain it. Yeah. Would it, would it count if you detected it first in, say, I don't know, the X-ray or the ultraviolet and then found that there was an optical component like does that count does that still count as an optical transit or is it just where you spotted it first? that's a good question um i don't know i know that there must be rules about these things yeah, in the astronomical community probably. well i think part of it is actually it's, it's not done to be facetious or it's not done to you know for to have a scientist you to don't say, get the stamp the big yeah, red stamp on it i want a medal because i found the biggest whatever Do you, right? get, you don't get a bonus no for finding. right no okay. this is it's a mean, shame yeah scientists are generally actually pretty <laughs> Level-headed. And I was being facetious, by yeah. the way. But, yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, and you know they're not they're not there to claim that I found the biggest no, whatever. No. This is not the point. <laughs> the <laughs> this, point is, this is not what we're doing here. The point is the physics and understanding the universe. So optical transients are actually classed in a way of different, slightly different phenomena to gamma ray bursters okay. because they produce a different signature. Um, we have seen like some probable optical counterparts, for example, to gamma ray bursters. So we've seen a gamma ray burst have gone off and we've pointed some telescopes at it and we've seen, oh, that really tiny little faint little smudge there, that's probably what it was. Right, okay. But that's still very different from saying, okay, that tiny little faint smudge has now just gotten, you know, a thousand times brighter. That's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so, so if you did see that in the optical, that would be an optical transient. Yeah. That makes sense. Just sure. So th- and there's different physics at play that are going on with these things, right? These bursters seem to be these short events. So they're probably more to do with these black holes gobbling stars. Maybe more of these optical transients are going to be along the lines of clouds being eaten by supermassive black holes. So let's, sure. you know, not okay. be too harsh in the sense of it's certainly not the astronomer's fault. No. I mean, your point is <laughs> that it's there in the paper, right? Mm. That that anyone reading this who knows what they're doing, who knows how this stuff works, who knows what the terms mean, will look at that and go, okay, so that's really big for its class, mm. you know, and that class being a certain range of things that can happen in the universe. But it's not everything in the universe. This is not the biggest thing that's ever happened to all things. Well, no. You'd but start- that's kind of how the media took it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, first of all, if you're going to talk about the biggest explosion in the universe ever, surely you'd start with the Big Bang. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, can yeah. you get any bigger than that? I, I would say by definition, no. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think you're flawed from the beginning here <laughs> with that one. But if you want to go with the benefit of the doubt and say since the Big Bang, I think sure. we're starting to talk about a class of – explosions, a class of events, cosmic events, which I found out today have an acronym all of their own. Oh, go on then. Called BOATS. 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 As in B-O-A-T. B-O-A-T. Is this anything like goats? Well... In the sporting world, you have goats, which is the, the, the greatest of all time, which I only learned a while after actually hearing the term. People were talking about, oh, you know, that person is a goat. and That's really rude. Don't be nasty. Oh, I see. Greatest of all time. A boat... I'm guessing today I, is also the first time I've heard of goats. But can I can I, can I take a step? Go on. Biggest of all time. Exactly. B-O-A-T? Right, and that's a thing. Like that's an actual term. Yeah, apparently. Okay, I mean, if good. you're into these things, goats everyone's after the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is the biggest, in this case, explosion of all time? It does make you wonder what the goat boat would be. Well, surely the big <laughs> the bang. big bang. I guess. Yeah, yeah. you really have to go back yeah, to the big bang I being think, the goat boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things I never thought I'd hear myself saying. So uh, I found I found a lovely paper which is all about boats, mm-hmm. and actually it was an analysis of the gamma ray burster that we we've already talked about this two that two two one zero one zero zero nine a that one that yeah. one yeah from last year. Mm-hmm. So there was some claims that when that one came out at the time that it could be a boat, a boat. or that boat yeah right um, and I mean excluding the carving out of a sort of a whole thing, which we talked about, um, I can see why they could make that claim, right? But but hang on, hang on, hang on. Backing up a second, like taking the sporting analogy, right? You can talk about, for example, I don't know, uh, tennis goats, mm-hmm. right? Greatest of all time in tennis. Actually, you'd probably have to say, look, maybe uh, – could we compare women's tennis and men's tennis, given that they are played com- completely separately? Doesn't it make sense to just talk about like goats in, in, in different parts of sport? My point is you're not going to start comparing great cricketers to great tennis players. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I guess somehow they have to figure out like sports person of the year, don't they? Well, yeah, but I mean that's probably more about sponsorship. But, but like in terms of greatest of all time, you can't do that. Isn't it the same here that that you can't have a biggest of all time without saying biggest of all time what? Like, isn't it isn't is, isn't what we're saying today that the biggest of this thing, the biggest of that thing? Because otherwise, it's always the Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all just have to agree that. The Big Bang is the Big Bang. Sure, And yeah. since then there have been explosions in the universe, which is the biggest. And it, it appears to me from my very naive skim through the literature <laughs> that 
we are talking about explosive events that happen over a short period of time. Short. So being... we're not talking about these 300 million years carving right. out of holes okay. in, in the um, So we are putting medium. a big hazy wobbly boundary around the word explosion-y thing here and saying it's a short asterisk period of time. Short being defined by whatever we think is right. At if the time. it looks like an explosion, it feels like an explosion. It talks like an explosion. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's an explosion. Maybe an ex- okay, fine. Good. So, okay. so gamma, let's say gamma ray bursts, sure. right? So they are the gamma ray bursts are the most energetic explosions that we see in the universe today. Fine. So we would make sense to say, well, what's the biggest? What's the boat? That's a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there were claims that this particular one from last year would be the boat. Now that would be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You think about it. We have what? only been able to detect gamma ray bursters as a species for, I don't know, 50 years, maybe? Yeah, like at most, I would have thought. Right? Yeah. We've only understood the fact that we live in a galaxy and that there are other galaxies with supermassive black holes and whatnot for 100, 150 years. But I mean, it's. We've uh, only been mm. exigent on this earth and sort of the form of Homo sapiens for what, 20, 30,000 years? Yeah, but hang on. What, what are you saying here? Are you saying, like, we can. Are you saying we can see evidence for other, others in the distant past and this is bigger than that? Because, I mean, I would have thought surely the whole point is it's the biggest one that we have seen. Doesn't mean it's the biggest one that has ever existed because we didn't see those. But of all time, I think. Literally means of all time. Right. Okay. So th- what you're saying is boat's the wrong word. Biggest mm-hmm. of biggest of human time. Biggest one we've seen. No, no, no. The, the claim is, is it was of all time. But of how time. can you compare it universe. to things you haven't seen? That doesn't make any sense, Emily. <laughs> well, because there might Chris, have been a really big one two hundred years ago that we didn't see. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an analogy, right? Go on. Right. This is a one in a 100-year flooding event. Yeah. I have this argument with my dad sometimes. Yeah. So his argument is, well, we don't have records that go back more than 100 years, so how do you know that it's a one in a 100-year flood event? That's a fair question. Well, you know it because of the statistics, right? You Mm. know that we might have three of these flooding events in 300 years, or we might have 10 of them in 10 years. And so from those statistics, although we don't have the records that go back, we can start to say, well, this is these are, these events are so rare or so common in some cases that we would expect them to happen only this often. Right. If you start, I mean, what you're saying, I think, is if you see one thing happen, if, a, if one flood happens, you have one data point. There's nothing you can do with that. You don't know if it's going to happen again next week or in 10,000 years. It's an event. But if you have a few of these events, then you can start doing some statistics on it. Hmm. Preferably the more the better. You know, two is a bit difficult. Three is even really crazy. But you don't even need to have exact numbers of those events, right? You know more information that is more than just your singular flood, for example. Right. You know statistics on climate. General, uh, you know, Earth climate, and you can draw inferences about. We we can draw inference about what the climate was ten thousand years ago. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you can bring in um, assumptions or extrapolations from what we know now and what we observe now, and the connection between that and and where we are. You Mm. know, the the climate, the 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 global atmospheric conditions Mm. and the surface conditions and so on. The equivalent in the universe is. We know the physics. We know what's mm-hmm. going on. We know what happened in the past. We know what conditions were going on. And so what I'm interpreting you saying is we don't need to see loads of these things to know when we see the biggest one. Yeah, exactly. So we know that, let's say, 20 solar mass stars, which is what we think was a part of this gamma ray burster. We know that those are exceptionally rare. We know that the chances of finding them in the vicinity of a supermassive black hole is right. yep. extraordinarily rare. So we can start to we can start to build statistics, build some information about actually That's this is a this idea. is a crazy rare event. That's an interesting idea. So the claim of a boat has to have an asterisk on it, which is statistically I mean, A, this is the biggest that we have seen, but we're going to even up that claim to there hasn't been a bigger one statistically reasoning-wise because 
we just would not expect that to have happened. Exactly. Okay. So I can back, live with that. Coming back to that. my previous argument, yep. you know, we've only been observing these gamma ray bursts for whatever, 50 years. Humans sure. have only existed for a few tens of thousands of years. Wouldn't it be... <laughs> what are the odds? Wouldn't it be weird if we just happened to, like, effectively just turn on the instrument and yeah. suddenly we get the biggest one that's ever been in the universe? Because that feel wrong like for a minute i was trying to figure out so what's i mean what's the alternative you're always going to see the biggest one that you've ever seen Mm. but the alternative is you see a big one and you do the maths you work out all the statistics on it you figure out how many of that kind of environment would we expect to see on what kind of scale and you'd go oh actually we would expect to see something like that like every 20 years Mm. which means over the last hundred years, there was probably one that was bigger than the one we just saw, mm-hmm. right? It's that kind of exactly. thing. That, yep. that this is not ridiculous. It's actually pretty common. It's just the first one or the biggest one we've seen so far. But yeah. we would like keep looking because we're going to see another one. As opposed to, no, we've done the maths mm. and there's no way. Well, it's not no way, but it's really, really unlikely that next year or in 10 years or 100 years, we're going to see one bigger than that. Yeah. And that's different. Exactly. And so you're right. What are the odds? <laughs> that's, that seems a bit nuts. Yeah. So this paper sort of comes to the conclusion after a lot of analysis that actually this event that we saw last year wasn't a boat. Okay. Um, in fact, it was something like a 1 in 10,000 year event. Okay. I mean, that's still pretty rare, but it's the universe rare. has been around for a really long time. It's been a lot, around for lots of tens of thousands yes. of years. Yes. Tens of thousands of years is a, is a rounding error on the so, universe. Yeah. It's yeah. probably not in that case. Okay. A so boat. It's, it's not a boat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. It's been downgraded. Yeah. yeah. And if we're going to be quite honest with each other, let's we're not going to see any boats of anything because our existence as per your, your previous reasoning in the universe yeah. is as a flicker and in, in the whole you know time period that the universe has existed it would be astronomically improbable yeah. for yeah. us to see this every time in history that humans have looked deeply into something which seemed like wow that suggests that we are really really special for this thing to have 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 happened to us, it's turned out that it's not that we're special or that we happen to look at just the right time. It's that we were going to see that anyway because mm. it actually isn't that rare. Mm. Yeah. I can only think of one exception. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say it because, you know, I'm going to be honest. Go on. I think there is one exception. And the one exception, it's not – it's it's there's a there's a window where, mm-hmm. of opportunity which is probably on the order of a, a few hundred to a few thousand years, but the one thing that does blow my mind in that sense is that we live on Earth at a time when the moon and the sun are the same size in the sky. That one still blows me away. Yeah, like if you if you were to point at something and go, yeah, but <laughs> like what are the odds of that 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 the eclipse? happens to that degree. I mean, it's not precision. The moon comes closer sometimes and further away sometimes. It's like it doesn't exactly match up, but it's pretty damn close. Mm. And that is, yeah, kind of staggering coincidence. It is coincidence. I think it is because although you can – Well, it has to be, right? Biologists can draw conclusions about the importance of the moon for life on Earth. And maybe you need a moon on a planet for life. Maybe we needed a moon to exist. Sure, but it didn't have to be that size, It didn't have to be that size and that distance and that – Yeah. So I find that quite extraordinary. Yeah. 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 You're right. I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, that is quite amazing. But then again, in – like the list of things that you could look at and go, is that a really remarkable coincidence? Is extraordinarily long. One of them had to be, mm. right? That's if it, our, that's if our it wasn't, one. If it wasn't the moon, it was going to be something else. Yeah. And you go, yes, but what's the odds of this? And well, you know, things happen. So we don't know? have a boat. We've got eclipses instead. Yeah. But I'm happy with that because that'll, that'll that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone gets to share in that one. Right, so if we don't have a boat, um, we don't have a goat, we don't have a goat boat, but it's been a really fun and unexpectedly deep discussion of what it means to be the biggest, 
And what kind of thing are we talking about? You know, is it an explosion? Is it something that happens over really long periods of time? Are we comparing tennis and cricket? Are we comparing apples and oranges here? I didn't expect this was going to go that way today. And I think it's been kind of fun. I think so, we've even got a new meme. Yeah. It's going to be a supermassive black hole. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's always Who's responsible? Be. It's the supermassive black hole. That and goats on boats. I think. I think well, we need to. I think this, the show art for this for this episode needs to have a goat on a boat. So somewhere. now, dear listeners, next time you hear the biggest XXX or the XSXiest yeah. X and yeah. the X of the universe, yeah. you can look at that with your goat boat eyes. And, and you say, know who did it. You know who's responsible. Supermassive black hole. Pull your head in. Listen, if you want to get in touch with us in order to tell us about your favourite goat or boat, doesn't really matter. We're, we're open to either. Um, then there's plenty of ways that you can do that. Emily, tell us one. So go to the Syzygy website. You just, you've got to do it. It's yeah. fabulous. And it's there the is place to go. The it's the place to be. It's where all the cool kids hang out. So syzygy.fm, S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y.fm. It doesn't even take you very long to put it into your... What do you call that bar that but we the, put the, addresses in? The thing, the, the thing on the browser thing. Yeah. The browser the browser thing. Yeah. And once you're there, what do you find? What's on the website? So all you can find all our past episodes, which is very useful when you think, didn't we already talk about <laughs> it? I'm sure I've heard this. Episode sixty one. Yeah. You can even you can even control F and find <laughs> <That's right. laughs> nice stuff on it's there. It's on there. Yes, because you can get all the past episodes and catch up and find out what we were actually talking about in that episode, because I don't think we very well represented it today. Yeah, I'll have to go and have a listen. I'll, we'll see what we can find. But you can also find our contact page yep. and send us through some some uh, comments and questions and anything. And you never know if it's a if it's a really good question that that gets our brains working. We have been known in the past to turn listener questions into entire episodes. So try us out, see what happens. On there as well is the uh, Great Wall of Thanks, the Cosmic Great Wall of Thanks, which is for all of the people who supported the show, including all of our fabulous Patreon supporters. And if you want to become one of those, then you can go to patreon.com slash syzygypod, where for a very small amount of money, you can help keep the electrons flowing through the website and all of our social media and the live events that we do from time to time and just help us to do the thing that we do. Otherwise, if you want to help the show, couple of ways you can do that tell everyone you know tell that friend or relative or you know favorite cousin of yours who's into nerdy space stuff to go and find us because the more people who listen to us the more we feel like we're doing a good job the other thing you can do is to give us a review or a five-star rating and that helps us to rise up through the 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 noise of the podcast universe but otherwise i mean we're on a roll Mm. we're doing well We'll just keep this going. We'll be back again in a week, plus or minus a week. Yeah, the next episode. Yeah. Well, it's probably the best way to see it, isn't it? (laughs) We'll see you at the next episode, listeners. See you later. Bye, everybody. So you you were saying that you found something, like you went down a bit of a rabbit hole and you found another paper which had some interesting, interesting credits. Yes, yes. I'm going to have to read them to you. Okay. I have to go get my computer to do that. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) grab it. Yeah. So much of the last part of what we spoke about, I have to say, was inspired by a paragraph in one of the papers, the very last paper, actually, that I was reading before. Yeah, so this isn't the paper. No, no, no. This is the rabbit hole. This is is the boat paper. Okay. It's, it's, it's a nice paper. I mean, I, I, I confess I didn't go deep into the science, but mm-hmm. they were looking at different gamma ray bursters and looking at the claim that this one that we saw last year could be, you know, the boat because it was 70 times brighter than whatever. whatever. Um, and I was reading through the conclusions because uh, they were useful, mm-hmm. useful summary. And then the last or well, second to last paragraph in the conclusions, I started reading. I'll, I'll quote now. We acknowledge the universe for timing this burst to arrive at Earth after the invention of gamma-ray burst monitors, but during our active research careers. Our token optical astronomer would like to complain about the alignment with the galactic plane and requests that the next one avoid this issue. The paper is dedicated to all the unsung publications that make population analyses like these possible, particularly those that we missed. Very nice. Very nice. Now, that, this, this does sound uncharacteristically tongue-in-cheek. I mean, you know, you don't see this in scientific papers. You it's, don't see yeah, people no. kind of making snarky aside comments and things like that. So no, and maybe do a double take and maybe look, saying, "Is this a yeah. real? Paper? Is this a crank paper? Is this <laughs> was this April first? Pub- what happened? Yeah, where was this published? Is this yeah? What's going so on? So this here? is legit. We're this, not, we oh, haven't it's been absolutely taken for a, a legit here. paper okay. because the next paragraph explains yeah. this. Um, this paper is additionally dedicated to Dr. Alexander Khan, who 
unexpectedly passed away during the review of this paper. The above acknowledges are left unchanged as they were his suggestions. His expertise and input were key to this paper and many others. It is a small consolation to add this dedication in a paper that may be read in several thousand years when the fluence record is broken. I thought, I, actually, that's, I think that's really, really nice. nice. It's, it's nice for a couple of reasons. One, because they decided to do this, this nice personal fun thing you know it it, it made me smile it, mm. it's not often that you read a paper a scientific paper that makes you actually grin but secondly because you know they did it for this colleague of theirs that died and the publication like the the journal mm. left it in yeah they didn't have to do that they could have no. said yeah no that's not us we don't do that sort of thing but they left it in that's yeah. really nice and sometimes it's nice to just say what everybody's thinking you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure people lots of astronomers when you make claims like this is the biggest explosion the universe has ever seen there's a, it instantly goes through the mind of everyone saying well isn't that fairly unlikely yeah. given the circumstances i hadn't thought of that they are kind of throwing shade there aren't they they're yeah. kind of going gee Thanks, universe, for doing this when we happen to be looking. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and also, you know, screw you for putting it in somewhere where the optical astronomers <laughs> can't get to it. Love no. it. I think that's So, nice. yeah. Rest in peace, Alexander Khan. You've done a fabulous job there. That's a really nice tribute. 